Hello again and welcome to my podcast. You're listening to me, Lee Bestall, also affectionately known as the Northern Designer. In my series of podcasts, I'll be chatting with industry professionals from all aspects of the design world, focusing in on plants whenever I can. I'm today joined by the fabulous interior designer, Julie Poulter of JPI Design. Today, we're going to be talking about inspirational interiors and the effect that they can have on our daily lives. And I want to introduce you to Julie. We've known each other for, what, 10 years or something? 10 years. And, and throughout that time, we've both grown with um, kind of the type of clients we've worked with, but also the kind of projects we've worked yeah. on. Just tell and me, tell me a little passions, bit. And changing passions, I think. That changed, didn't it? To, yeah, you yeah. start out to where you want to be. I think your aspirations change, don't they? Yeah. Just give us a quick brief kind of history yes. of what you've done and how you got to where you are today. So I started education, furniture and product design. So my, my passion is furniture design. That's my geek. Um, so graduated from Nottingham Trent in furniture design and went off to America to work for a year. And then I went down to London with a load of uni girls and living the dream in your twenties, going out to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> uh, and we went to every furniture show manufacturer, flew out to Milan to the furniture fairs, um, and just worked crazy hours. I used to work for a company in Manchester where we did exhibition design. Right. Okay. So the Everybody thinks exhibition design is really small, but when you see with the scale what they do for like Reebok or Sony or Microsoft, they build a million pound stand and they'll build it in a footprint that goes up in three days, yeah. delegates fly in, and this stand has to multi-purpose. It hosts clients for dinner, it showcases the new product, it's demonstration, CPDs, private meetings. And we got to really do so much product design around an interior that we basically keep them on stand as long as possible and send them to them. Mm-hmm. And then it'd come back down. And it was crazy the amount of money that they would spend on events. So you'd fly into Cannes and do their product launches. You'd go over to Vienna and do product launches. But I think you can only do it in your 20s. When I got to my 30s, I was like, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I'm too old for this. Does that kind of thing still happen? Because it seems like in the post-COVID world, I've been to a few exhibitions and they're all kind of much smaller now. They've just not got the buzz and the money that they had yeah. before. Is that the They've case? They've lost a lot interiors? of revenue, I think. And I think perhaps they're more focused on what clientele they have got. Right, okay. Um, and the supply and demand's changed so much, hasn't it, in lockdown? Yeah. Trying to get hold of anything. And actually, I think... The new passion will be to get things that are made in the UK. And right. I think that's the only way actually to grow our industry and okay. our economy. And if I'm being honest, I've always loved that. I've always wanted to make British. Yeah. Um, there's loads of designers that are international that are like, but to make British, wouldn't that be amazing? Do you think then we're going to see a lot more big British names? Because like, there's, there's that guy who does those really cool lights, um, you know, and they, they sell them in mainstream now. Um, and they're, they're like bent steamed wood. Oh kind yeah. Of seen that. Is it Tom Raff- Raffled something like Raffled, that? Raffled that means. Yeah, he does. He he was kind of like a, a British designer, and he's kind of I presume he's making in the UK. Yeah. Do you know somebody pointed it out a chandelier by him the other day? It's beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then furniture. Um. Like I've just commissioned a handrail for a job, and it's going to be originally um turned. That just never happens. Right. People don't spend that money on having something turned. Yeah. It will be a massive statement piece. Um. And somebody has to commit to that because it's not something like, you know, interior design became a little bit fashion orientated and I really don't design very fashion orientated. Um, I I tend to design the design that's more long lasting, something that represents the client's personality, like really dig in and figure out what's inside the head. 
Because if it's designed for a season instead of a reason... Oh, I should coin that one. <laughs> coin that one for later. Designing for the season? No. no. Designing <laughs> for, for the reason, reason not for the season. season. Yeah, we should yeah. totally write that down. Um, but then it has longevity for the client. It's better cost per use. Yeah. You use a better material. Yeah. You have a relationship with why you've designed it. If it's fashion-led, it can be so fickle. And where's the heart in that? Yeah. It's... We do, we do something similar for the exteriors and, and I always say, you know, are we doing a makeover garden because you're only going to live here for a few years? Or are we doing like this kind of project that leaves a legacy? And like it evolves. Me, that is so exciting. And yeah. it sounds like that's what you're doing with an interior. If you're going to put a staircase in a new property, it's going to be there for, what, 100, 200, 300 yeah. years? There yeah. for, it could be there forever. It depends on the property, doesn't it? And also, like, I like to get inside the head. Where do you spend your time in the house? Is that morning or evening? What are, you, what are your interests? Because when did it become fashionable? And a lot of house developers do it. They do shoe, like, footprints, like potato prints, as we call it. Yeah. When you get a true architect, they're not. They're driven by where the light comes down, what materials do you want to use. Obviously, it's driven by planners and what they let you do. But each house could be completely different based on what they do in the house. Like, mm. is it a family of four? Is it a family of two? Do they have dogs? Are they into crafts and cooking? And it completely changes each room that you're using. And rather than having a room with a bloody big TV in it, what's the function of that room? Is it day use, night use? What do you want to achieve there? And it, that personality makes the room work better. Yeah. Rather than just people running through a taupe house, you know. Do you think that though, because you, and I totally agree with when you're designing something specifically for a client, you get to know them and then you design. Yeah, you know, understand the personalities. But do you think that then bespokes that house too much for that client to where, where it kind of becomes then when they sell it, the next person's got to do a whole gut on it mm-hmm. because it doesn't fit their lifestyle. I guess that comes at brief. Like you were saying, if you're saying to a client, how often are you going to spend time in it? Do they go, and then live here two years? years seven years um is it a longer time than that so that comes in practice when you design it but really do you know if you're ever looking and we all do this don't we you look on like um travel agents tv programs all that kind of stuff you're looking at an interior and you're imagining being in there and if it's so muted there's no personality there to attract what you would do in that room Mm. um so I think each room needs its own personality. I don't mean you're going to go from bright green to blue. You're always going to have some sort of vein that flows. I mean, mm. flow in a house is so important. Actually, even in an office, obviously we do restaurants and bars and office schemes. Um, so they all have to flow. They have to have an interconnection of how they work. But you can change up a scheme and change down a scheme depending if you're using it for different functions or day and night. Lighting's massively important. Mm. Um, I don't think people are as scared as colour as they used to be. No, because we were all told to kind of rip out the colour in our houses, plaster the walls, get rid of wallpaper and go beige. So that was gone. what the so that gone. was what the TV yeah. was telling us to do, wasn't it? Yeah. And then you've got and everybody uh, went grey for a week. Uh, yes. wow, do you remember? Grey, <laughs> grey mad. Yeah, I'm yeah. just coming out of the grey phase now, and it's taken. It's all stones and plastic. I, yeah, and I know. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see, I see trends as I'm going around clients' house. I see trends, and I'm like, oh, I want to do that now, and that is a real problem. Do you what? Do you know? Do you follow trends in in interiors? What's the What's the latest thing that people are doing? I still love to read it. I'm one of those that I'm lucky, and I know you feel the same. If doing what you do. And loving it is a real difference from doing a job, right? I have yeah. friends that do jobs and they can't wait till Friday. Yeah, yeah. And they get the anxiety on a Sunday ready to go yeah. back. 
somebody school to me. We used yeah, school like, to yeah, school to me. It's <laughs> weird, isn't it? You feel sick on a Sunday night. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I think it comes from that time when I was a kid and you'd be like, oh, it's bath time now. You haven't done your homework. You haven't done your homework. <laughs> You've got to have your bath. You're thinking, when am I going to fit that homework in and eat your tea and pretend I'm going to bed early yeah. and watch Howard's Way? Because obviously yeah. that was that a Sunday was really night important thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it was bed. Yeah. Hated that music. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I actually have that playing in my head exactly, right now. Exactly, yeah. So school to me, so we don't have that anymore. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I love it. I live and breathe it anyway. My other half goes nuts because there's constantly a project on the go. Um, there's constant something that I'm finding in a salvage yard or second-hand shop that I'm refurbing. So I do the refurb just for fun anyway. Mm. We've just moved house. I mentioned to you, oh, my God, you won't believe how many chairs I own. Go on, how many? Things that, well, this. There's 20 that are moving across and we're selling some. Are these 20 in addition to the ones you already have in the house? Um, no, they're part of okay, it. I'm taking right, 20 okay. with me. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I have vintage furniture, I have salvaged furniture, I have industrial furniture, I have oh, the most amusing dining room table that's actually in my kitchen that's Edwardian. And I personally love that jujux, you know, yeah, mixing old yeah. and new. Yeah. I, I don't put my, my personal taste in the client's house. I try and get inside their head. It's supposed to represent them. It makes mm. them feel comfortable. Mm. Do you know when you go to a hotel and you kind of flow through the hotel room and you can't figure out why you feel so relaxed? Yeah. It's because they designed it well. It they designed good. it subtle. It's good, isn't it's it? Not shouty, it's yeah, not shouty, it's not showy. It's subtle. And that layering is subtle where everything just works. It's just in the right place for yes, that light switch. Yes. It's it, as if someone... It's the bedside yeah. light that turns off yes. without getting out of bed. Yes. It's sensory light so you don't stub your toe. Yes. It's as if someone lived in that house or that room before you, even though they didn't. Yeah. That's when you know it's you've psychology. got a good designer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, I never know how to approach it when I'm first talking to a client because what I really want to say is I just want to get inside your head. Yeah. Because then I'd look the like a weirdo, right? No, I, I think it's fine to look like a weirdo because we're designers, so, you, you know, we can be, we're creative. supposed to be extra Because they go, oh, yeah, they're a creative. Yeah. yeah. Quirky. So, yeah, they, I get exactly. called quirky all yeah, the time. I love that because that gets you out of everything. <laughs> you can be legitimately weird or you can geek out on certain things like furniture design and it's fine because you're a creative. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Everyone else is just weird, but yeah. we're creative. Yeah, and also my arms. I use my arms a lot when I'm talking um, yeah I often say to clients that I'm trying to understand you and so do you know what I found works really well and I've changed the way I've been working over the years um, and I know you were going to ask me about how I do processes mm. of work and one of the things that I thought of is when you start out you think you have to uh, be able to understand somebody in one way yeah. well we all don't understand in one way yeah. so my perception of blue and modern is different to yours because it's what you're exposed to yeah. right yeah. and also I don't know that you're not colour blind and I don't know that you experienced a bad situation where you blew sofa so I'm going to suggest a blue sofa to you yeah. and it all sounds really little but actually everything we're exposed to creates our natural habitat and our behaviour then is subconscious to how we enjoy that environment so it's all to do with psychology mm. the way we light a room the way we move around a room everything builds up into your perfect scenario and we're all individual so it's going to be different I also think that we always forget we are animals and although we're more advanced than some and you might argue that we're not but but yeah um, and some people aren't but the that animal instinct that natural 
kind of thing. It's Winter still season is. when you want to nest. Yes. How much do we nest? I love nesting. I love, I love nesting. nesting. I Some love people don't baking in that, the they? winter. <laughs> in lockdown, I turned into plant fiend and baking. Yeah. I just got fat because I kept baking. I kept <laughs> delivering my neighbours cake. They're like, stop feeding me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that whole nesting thing is is you know that goes back to when we lived in like caves and Hunt stuff. Together. And we, yeah, yeah. And we wanted to make it cosy yeah. and and safe, basically to kind of bring up our yeah. children. And I suppose. So but what we're exposed to really does becomes your natural habitat and behaviour and that's how you feel more comfortable so getting to know somebody you're working with and understanding lots of little details about and builds a bigger picture mm. and that's what I was actually saying I went off on a tangent I've that's started not using like you. I'm not <laughs> I'm like that we're going down this road Ooh, we're off there look, look we're back he gets to the end of that going to finish the conversation yeah easily distracted um, I've started using pictures on my briefings okay mm. so um I have a questionnaire that I'll send to a client yeah. and um, and it's gauging their involvement as well. Some don't want any involvement because no. they're too busy with careers yeah. or they claim they have no design taste. Everybody does, right? Yeah. It's just perhaps a bit shy about it. They um, certainly know what they don't like. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the hardest thing to answer. I know I don't like it, but I don't know what I like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some options. Yeah. Um, but I started doing images, and so we rate the images. I have a questionnaire they fill out. Uh, I've got the brief from the client. I go away, do some research, create this questionnaire, and I have them rate it like a like a magazine quiz, right. one to ten. Which are your best? So I might know that they're really into cooking, yeah. And I might even know what type of cooking they're into. And then I go away and I use source material to find images to show them options. Okay. And it filters down with that. I'm really aware that I'm filtering down into specifics. And yeah. it means that when I come to actually drawing it up on card and presenting visuals, mm-hmm. I'm answering the questions without I'm realising. Yeah. Um, so it has to meet the function first. Function, function right, then decorate it or create the furniture yeah. and then layer it. Yeah. Because some people look, they, they kind of do something that looks pretty, but actually it really doesn't work, does it? Mm. And actually that causes quite a lot of stress yeah. when you're living with it. It bothers me. So we've got like, you know, client might say, oh, I want this type of paving. I'm like, okay, are you aware of what you're setting yourself up for there? Are you going to like clean the it every day? Yeah. The, the, and, and people think low maintenance is this, but actually it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to have some like Barcelona style minimalistic design, in Sheffield, you've got to be aware that there's squirrels, birds, mm. you know, leaves, debris, dust. There's all yeah. that kind of stuff that's all going to be working against you in, t- in trying to keep this place tidy. Do you do and that, that then? Do you, do you assess, like, their environment where they are? Are they more country or more city before you put the scheme together? They've got a brief, but you're like, this is going to be hard to maintain here? Or? Yeah, so, I mean, some people kind of come with us with quite a fixed idea of what they want. And, and I kind of, like, feel it's like a responsibility to say, well, this is why it will work and this is why it won't work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you feel like you're squashing their dreams, but you don't want them. <laughs> Literally, I, I, I had a visual then of a big foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stamp on that one. Um, and, and, you know, people say, I want this white rendered wall. And I'm like, OK, let's go through all the reasons why you want it. And, and have you thought about all these other reasons that, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to get dirty, you're going to have to do X, Y, Z. So that and that's that's actually going to cause quite a lot of stress in your life when what you're telling me is you want low maintenance. So we need to look at those material choices. And actually, I think we're moving towards design, which is a lot more relaxed since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, people are less 
uptight about things looking tidy mm-hmm. so we do a lot of work through kind of like north yorkshire do you think because they're now living in the homes maybe maybe but i think they've realized how stressful a black granite top can be yeah because it's like you put one fingerprint on it and it's dirty so they have to clean it we shared a client years ago and they had um a marble top in yeah. black and the Every day she'd be polishing yeah. it. And she and hated really it. And she'd stressful. be like, I'm never having this again. Because it takes the enjoyment out. If yeah. you can't use it yeah. and it's just show, yeah. then there's no point in having yeah. it. So I love that whole like country kind of look where you've got, you know, if you get a little chip out of it, it's, it's not, it doesn't spoil it. It kind mm. of adds to it. Yeah. You know, like your stick. dining room table. It's yeah. had like, we had one and it had like knife and fork prints in it where kids had been like sat there going, <laughs> I need feeding, like stamping or crayons or whatever, bread knife cuts and stuff. George, you know, I had a bookcase from an old library. It obviously came from a school and it had swear words on the back and I'd uh, sanded it down and then like, you know, restained it. But as she got older, she started, reading <laughs> I had to explain to her that she's not allowed she can read it but she's not allowed to say it but that history is part of that piece it's isn't authentic. it and and it's like you know you, you, you can buy that but you can't buy it at the same time you've got to find it and that's yeah. often quite expensive to yeah. go you mentioned reclamation I was going to say how expensive is it though for you to go out source something envisage where it's going to be and you can't say it is going to be there no you, you can't know, it's, it's like when somebody says that often I'll get how much is this scheme going to cost and you go can't tell you how much the skin costs until I've designed it. Yeah. Which is actually, I was saying that we changed our processes. I used to try and quote a scheme based on this is the footprint, this is the house, you know, especially if it's not off plan, you can actually go walk the space, talk. I honestly don't think, so how long have I been at this now? 2001. I don't think you can cost a seam until you've designed it because if we were just really basic and say any box can be anything, mm. a square box, I always argue with architects about this, there's one but I won't name him. <laughs> After a few beers. Um, a box can be anything, right? Uh, architects designs this beautiful box. The material's amazing. We meet building regs. The lighting comes in. We've got all the things that are fundamental to a great building. Mm. But that building can be anything. It can be a clinic. It can be a shop. It could be a restaurant. It could be somebody's home. It could be a study. We can change that space so many ways un- unaccountable spaces so really you can't cost a job until you've actually got to the point where you've hit the design mm. so we now change the way we work we do concept and development of those concepts yeah. and only after we've reached that stage do we cost then for delivering the job to site that's interesting because we've recently changed the same yeah. we've recently done exactly the same I feel like I'm constantly like yeah. either Is running out of hours or they don't understand how much work's involved so if you've got it on print if yeah. you've got an image and you've got your plans and you're like so this is all panelling this is a bit soaks over this is the floor we're going to lay yeah. and then obviously becomes the shopping list of everything that's involved they can choose which bits of priority to include in the job or mm. not but without design it you cannot cost it no because essentially you could paint it red and put a bed in it and it's a bedroom yeah or you could kind of go to the extreme of having bespoke this yeah. and that and the other vaulted ceiling and, yeah, hidden lighting yeah, yeah. and so, it's essentially yeah. the same thing it's just still a bedroom yeah but um, I always get that so how much is three bed house well, what's the square meterage what's your taste what are you going to put are you yeah. high end are you low yeah. end do you want bespoke um, so we've started changing and I had a couple of people say aren't you worried about people taking concepts and then going on with by themselves and I said if they do they wouldn't be my client like that's fine they can they can take it at any stage they've paid for the design they can take yeah. it and do it themselves 
But if they want that full service, they wouldn't then do that. They'd want to deliver the full image of what's happening. So it's no it's no loss, is it? As long as the client gets the end goal, what they want, that's what I'm here to deliver. Yeah, yeah. What What are your favourite kind of interiors? If you were doing, you know, I know that you've just moved house and you're going to be kind of redoing oh, so that. Different. What are your favourite interiors and who really inspires you? Mm. So the quirky word. I love quirky. I like something that actually surprises me. Okay. Um, so I can appreciate a sleek hotel, you know, like your moulded walls, your hidden lighting, your plush sofas. I can appreciate that. But, I mean, we're sat in, in your flower shop. Do you know the fact that it's quirky? The <laughs> fact that it's been designed with a purpose. Yeah. So you could give me a library, you know, seeped in history, the mix mash, some patterns, some some velvet, some old leather, binded books, antiques mixed with new. That's that's my personal favourite. Mm. I like somewhere I feel like I'm uh, part of the secret five and I'm going exploring. <laughs> So I, I like have this like I guess you see it in America a lot where where places have been built but they're not real almost they're like pr- pretend places because they don't have the history that we yeah have. but when you go into like even if it's a coffee shop that used to be a bank mm-hmm. you know when you've got that old building but then you put new stuff Purpose inside it. it and then you layer it up with like like say the bound leather bound yeah. books and stuff like yeah. that it just it like I don't know what's that feeling that it creates inside you because it does. I genuinely get excitement in my tummy. I get butterflies. Yeah, yeah. Um, My league was nuts for me. He's just like, can we leave you? And I'm literally exploring everything. I've got my hands under the furniture, figuring out what nuts and bolts they've done, how they've done that helmet. I just... I'm proper inspired by people doing things in a different way. Yeah. I mean, why would you be normal? Why? I don't know. I why think would you not push There's too many normal people <laughs> to be normal. Need more quickness. Um, yeah, so I like unusual, but I don't like fake environments. You know, like, do you remember when you were on about, um, if you go to, like, a theme park? Yeah. Um, and it's all made to look like it's castle, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. I remember my parents taking us on holiday in like my early teens, and we went somewhere in Spain. It was supposed to be a knight and javel. It was yeah. so cringy. Yeah. So just authentic. That's authentic. my massive thing. Okay. A massive thing for me. I don't care what you're talking about as long as you're passionate about it. Just be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And get inside a client's head, and then yeah. whatever they love doing. Yeah. That's what makes it home, right? What, what's your favourite hotel? You've mentioned hotels a few times. What's your favourite? Because I'm always looking for a good good hotel to stay in. What's your favourite one? From an interior design point of view. We uh, we stayed in a glass igloo in Iceland, you know, when wow. you... when well, I didn't get to see the lights. It was too cloudy. I, <laughs> I paid all that money to go. to see them? I know. Got a skidoo up there and then didn't um, see them. Um, do I have a favourite hotel? In this country. Do you know what? I don't think I do. Don't you? No. I think mine would we be Ridging lot... Park. Ah. I love I love the it's like the, the whole hotel is built from this really smooth ashlar stone and it's got that history mm-hmm. and that Georgian lovely that feel. Grandeur. Yes. Yeah. But, but it's, it's understated it grandeur. Is. Yes, yeah. it is. And they've got a little library in there and a lovely spa and stuff. And I just love that hotel because that's I think if I was a hotel, that would be me. Mm-hmm. That's just. Do you know just... what we tend to do as a family? Uh, we tend to do Airbnbs and things like that. Oh, like okay. obviously, there's lots of other websites. But I like going somewhere completely off what I thought would be, and also I don't want to go somewhere that's not as good as home. 
Yeah, you that, get is spoiled, right? that is the thing. That is When you thing. have a nice home, yes. you don't want to go somewhere and yes. pay money to no. go somewhere and not be as nice no. as home. It's like going out for a meal. If you can cook a decent meal or your partner can... Lee's a nightmare. Why you? would you go out and eat something that costs more and isn't as good? Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, Lee's a really good cook. Is that the reason you do entertaining a lot? <sighs> Lee's, Lee's the best cook um, Georgina doesn't even ask me what's for dinner anymore she asks Lee because I don't do the cooking <laughs> I'm just clearly the shopper for the food and the tidier upper after Lee's the cook I'm the baker um, yeah it's the same though restaurants are actually really nice to design yeah. you know creating that ambience yeah, and yeah. also being all, like again authentic with the originality of where the food's from bringing that into play okay what do you have to think about when you're designing a restaurant that you wouldn't maybe think about when you're designing a house um so footfall obviously traffic flow through the building right um maintenance is massive because uh, of the footfall content um route to use so the kitchen's obviously always in full product people like to see an open kitchen and i do that mm. honesty of how they're yeah, cooking the food yeah. i like that personally um so the furniture you design is different we do a lot of bench seating when we come to a restaurant tonight create the booze and add individual mm. chairs um so and, and you kind of a brand as well a lot of them have brands you yeah. know like they might have a brand identity so we've done we've done restaurants i've got a new one coming up actually it's the seventh restaurant i've done for the same client um and he has different food um so he has an indian he has a steakhouse he has a mexican um and but there's a brand there, and and part of that I brand identity, which is what we do a lot with commercial, is subtly put the colours into the interior so it's remembered. It's an experience. Right. So you relate those colours back to that brand, like you know what a Nike swish is, you yeah, know, yeah. you know what an Apple sign looks like. Um, it relates to their ethos, what they stand for. Yeah, and yeah. so it's part of the experience. And and do companies because I'm you know if you if you go to a restaurant and you sit in a really comfortable chair or you can tell how long they want you to stay yeah. by how comfy the chair yeah. is you know you sit down at McDonald's they're you like they clearly don't want you to stay very <laughs> yeah. and long, the fast music that's going yeah, on yeah 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 or you go into a really nice restaurant and you can tell that they've booked that table out for you for the entire night because yeah. that chair you could fall asleep yeah. in there's nothing nicer than not feeling rushed isn't mm. there um the chairs we've got at home actually um i bought based on one that i found at a restaurant i just sat there stroking it like one a of the hug. 20 <laughs> actually there's eight to that table all oh, right okay. <laughs> only these 12 then that are different yeah they're danform actually uh danform is in the most amazing company they do really nice chairs for dining right. so confession because outdoor furniture is so difficult to buy we've got a few really good suppliers but apart from that it's just all, the quality control yeah, and, and also terrible. then led by style, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because in this country, the weather is so unpredictable, you know, choosing furniture that looks nice and is, is kind of durable it yeah. is quite tricky. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of like outdoor um, rooms, outdoor buildings, sheltered areas. I bet that went off in lockdown, didn't it? That must have been a real Yeah, I think lockdown really kind of helped promote that, you know, outdoor kitchen, outdoor mm. eating. And the good thing about it is, you know, I know we were talking earlier about the fact that some some of the trends we saw through lockdown have fizzled out and we've gone back to normal life but I think one of the things that hasn't changed is the amount of time we're spending outside mm. and we're now happy to sit in the cold outside with a blanket around our shoulders around a fire pit whereas before if you'd have said that to somebody they'd be like have you lost the plot yeah but you go to that Amsterdam or somewhere kind of they always you know, have throws on the back exactly, of the chairs yeah. yeah and it's like why did that take so long to mm. come over here do you know what I think lockdown did force people is a lot of my so I used to be 50-50 split between commercial and resi um, and I like that. I like mm. the diversity that it throws me back and forth yeah. uh, because actually a lot of product knowledge that I learned for commercial, I'll apply to 
high-end home interiors. Nice. That hotel looks. Yeah. Um, it just pushes boundaries a bit more. Um, but I realised that people started actually looking at the home. Perhaps they used to really enjoy going on holiday and then the lockdown mm. stopped that or they'd eat out so often they didn't really assess that the kitchen didn't work. Yeah. So when they were forced to spend time, they just ended up saying... Why have we got this fourth bedroom that we never use? It's just like a glorified store cupboard. Mm. And they started looking at how they use the house and they either fell in love with the house and did a reno or they were like, oh, I don't want to sell. Yeah. And I think the, the big rush of domestic was that. And it's not really pitted off. The only thing that you get slowing down is trying to find trades to allocate yeah, the work because good trades are booked and you yeah. have to you have to schedule them. So that commercial kind of design influence, I see that coming into even the clients where I'm going, you know, we're doing the gardens and I see all those nice interiors and I see that commercial kind of influence coming into interiors, even down to like Christmas decorations. Because I was looking at small photos the other day and there was like one Christmas tree made from tinsel and it was like three foot high sat on a nest of tables. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that was very 80s. Um, And now we want like 17 feet real Christmas tree with front door wreath this, that, and the other, blah, blah, We blah. make our own reefs. That's massive, yeah. isn't it? And, I've booked and, on this year to go to a reef. I've probably done it for the last seven years, but I love it. It's yeah. just your lead up to Christmas, yeah. make your own reefs. But bringing in that commercial influence into our homes, you know, giant baubles that you would hang from <laughs> three of them from the middle of your ceiling, you know what I mean? It's like, I love that I influence. have a friend that is, or was, she's, she's closed the business now, but she was an events planner. Right. I am not exaggerating to say she has three giant polar bears in her lounge every Christmas just because it's all and stuck. And why not? And they're in a garage all year. Were they from Meadowhall back in the day when those <laughs> three polar bears used to play drums and stuff? <laughs> but honestly, full-on set scene of really? polar bears in her lounge Love come Christmas. That. I want a snow machine in my house. So she gave up a, a business, but she just now decorates their house at every possible scene. So Halloween's just been a big event. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, she keeps all the stock and brings yeah. it out at every event. Brilliant. Winterisation, I call it. Because at this time of year, like you're nesting and you yeah. think it's a little bit too early. We're talking three or four days too early to put your tree up because we're in the early November. But I think... When do you put your tree up? Uh, 6th of November. Do you? Purely because I'm not allowed to put it up before, you know, bonfire nights out of the way. <laughs> so on the 6th, I mean, in fact, I've already got the cupboard open ready. It's literally there ready to, to be brought out. But I think, yeah, I, and it's like a winterisation thing. Um, I used to have a real tree, but we've got a house rabbit and he nibbles the foliage on it. before I go home. So he's the cutest thing. So, but uh, he literally would eat all the needles and it's not good for his tummy. So, mm. yeah, we got a plastic um, mm. one. But it's very realistic. Mm. Is a really you good can get good one. ones, can't you? Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting with me. I literally could sit and talk to you all day. Just before you go, can you tell the listeners um, how they can get in touch with you, your Instagram or website address? Yeah, um, so uh, it's Julie Poulter Interior Design or jpid.co.uk. Uh, um, you can find me on Instagram or um, Facebook or uh, House. Brilliant. Or where else am I? LinkedIn. She's everywhere. All yeah. the social media. Yeah, but I don't I don't manage them. Kate does because she's much better at spelling than I. I noticed that you send out posts really regularly. So I'm thinking oh, surely Kate. that's not you no, that does Kate's, that. Honestly, Kate's the organised, logical one and I'm the creative, like, quirky. Genius. Creative, yeah, creative she's like genius. the... the uh, the yin to my yang Fantastic. keeps me sensible and tells me off brilliant that's thank thank you so much that's brilliant um you can listen to all our other podcasts on spotify apple and youtube and follow me on instagram at the northern designer or look me up on linkedin until next time thank you julie thanks bye